welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I'm not Jordan Dallacolman, I'm Braden Dallacolman. Jordan is off racing teacups in Disneyland with his family this weekend, but I'm happy to be back returning here with Tyler Walzak. Tyler, how is it going? It is going well. Happy to have you back. We got the better Dollar Coltman oh, this week. Oh, you know, don't tell him I said that. You know, there's three of us. <laughs> oh, I do know that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so but happy, happy to be back. Um, this is a, this was a star-studded event, the Miami Grand Prix. Um, last year, it was like the utter snooze fest. That's all yep. anybody talked about. It was wet, if I recall. It was so boring and it was the it was new to the it was new to the um the circuit or the uh the season uh, yeah. as well so this year the sophomore season we've got uh, i think they ironed out some kinks uh what were they you know what i don't know if they it's kind of weird start. Because, I mean, Paul, he, uh, yeah it was it was a snooze fest last year this year qualifying on saturday i think is the reason that we had a pretty good race on sunday i mean for all intent to purposes this was a fun race to watch and i don't know if it was because they fixed the track they made they they re they repaved everything they made that silly chicane a little bit longer to try to get a little more speed through it that didn't work in terms of a bit during qualifying two they were making fun of it the entire time that chicane was mickey mouse i believe is the exact word That's they right. used for it um and i think i don't know the the qualifying on Saturday was so exciting. I think that is what led to a great race. When you, Whenever you have kind of a different... Basically, what happened was Leclerc spun out in qualifying three, which gave us a Perez Alonso, a very old um, starting grid at the front uh, pairing, and then Sainz Magnussen behind them, and then Gasly Russell, Leclerc Ocon, Verstappen was on the la like on ninth spot. And Botas 10th. So you knew that Verstappen was going to go through everybody. You knew that Hamilton being 13th was going to have a car to get up to where he should be. Like even Russell, it just, and you knew Magnus and Gasly were probably up too high. So it led to a very exciting race. So we can't, we don't really know if the track is fixed or not. That's kind of the weird thing in my head. So, so track, track changes a bit. Cars are all obviously upgraded. What were some of the major upgrades that we saw in terms of the vehicles for the week, for the weekend? One of the ones that kind of stood out to me was not really an upgrade this week as much as it was your team McLaren upgrading last oh, week. It's so hard to see my team like having yeah. on with McLaren, dude. <laughs> having a great showing just a week ago and yeah. this week can't get out of qualifying one. Um, I think they're 19 and 17 to start the race after they had the, the upgrades the week before. It's just yet yeah, something's going on at McLaren. So that was kind of what, with this whole upgrade package uh, this week that showed a lot for me, there was a lot of off um, race news. We'll get to some of it later, but specifically before this race started, the CEO at Alpine yeah. Alpine basically called out the entire team said, this is not what I and this is not what I expected from this year. We are so far behind on what we should be doing, where we should be competing, um, especially after the weeks before where they they did not have a great showing at all. And you know what? They delivered that, like, they yes, were they had a great they, qualifying. Yeah, double I mean, points, great... great qualifying. They both, again, like, you could look at the, the qualifying times and where people, the starting grid and where they finished, and you can go, oh, well, Gasly fell 
um, at the end of the race from fifth to eighth. Eighth. Yeah. And, but Ocon came up, and also those cars aren't supposed to be the the Alpine's not supposed to be competing with Ferrari and Mercedes and especially Red Bull. So for them to be the two cars after the top three, that's exactly where they need to be. So I don't know if it's one of those like players only meetings that that CEO CEO was trying to do is to get everybody back to where they're supposed to be. But that was going into this weekend. If you're a Gasly fan or an Ocon fan or, or an Alpine fan, that was wide eyes eye opening to see that being said, um, especially going into this Miami race, which is almost more fanfare and social media. So and like influencers. Like, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. But just before we do, like you talked about competing teams. Who is Ferrari competing with if it's not just themselves? Because Leclerc doesn't seem to be able to figure out. It was They looked so, so out of control the whole it, weekend. It kind of reminds you of Leclerc from like two years ago when it was him and Vettel. And he just was, I don't want to say dangerous, but aggressive all the time. And he would make little mistakes and he would do little things that cost him and the Ferrari team just one or two spots here or there or qualifying. It just, it seems like he's a little maybe angry or a little unhinged, but that spin in qualifying three was, you can't be doing that. And well, I mean, I don't think Verstappen even got a lap in, which no. is why he finished, you know, he started on the grid of ninth, which made for a race ultimately. Yeah. Is there ever any strategy in that? Like a team being like, okay, let's let's have them start lower down. Let's get into an accident or something. I, like I only know that if there was an example of that, it would have been Perez last year in Monaco when apparently that's how the rift between him and Verstappen got started was Perez said, he didn't say, sorry, the um, allegedly Perez spun out on purpose to cause a red flag. So okay. that Verstappen couldn't get pulled. Couldn't get a time. Um, mm. So I, I mean, I don't know anything that, but that was the big rumor towards the end of like why Verstappen and Perez weren't getting along, and it all kind of went back to that Monaco race when something happened where Perez spun out and maybe intentionally did it on purpose. But I don't think these guys do it. To, like everyone knows, Red Bull's far, but the Red Bull's racing Red Bull this year. Like yeah, Hamilton, we saw, that. We saw yeah. that this race. I mean, and and this we'll get in. There's two different races. This weekend, I think there was the hard tire to medium tire race. And there was a medium tire to hard tire race. That hard tire start was essentially what everybody said was going to be the way to, to run this race, the best um, strategy for this race. Why, and, why is that? Uh, oh, sorry. Starting on the medium tire is what everyone did for a better jump, for a better go, because they thought that the hard tire was going to be better in the long run. So you, they were running hard tires during the weekend and had the best right. results. Yeah. So they wanted to be on the hard tires towards the end of the race in the final laps completely backfired for someone specifically like Perez, where you saw him go medium to hard and you saw Verstappen who had to start in ninth, work his way back up and then run 45 laps on those hard tires, switch to mediums, faster tire um, right behind. Perez. It only took him 15 laps to get behind Perez into the second place. Once he put on the medium tires after 45, it was over. Perez was on the hard tires earlier um, so he was slower. It was, they raced a little bit, four or five turns, very, um, professional, very team-like. They weren't all over each other, but there was a tight to, turn. There was, there was some tight turns. They left some room for each other though. It wasn't out of hand. It was 
cooperative, but they did let them go racing. No one was told to back off. Basically just told like, here's your scenario. He's got a faster tire. It's also Max Verstappen, so good luck. Um, but yeah, going back, like, I don't know who Ferrari's racing. They should be, they should be going for that second spot. It's theirs to grab. I mean, yeah. you've we've seen Alonso on the podium four out of the five races. Man, he's having just, a wonderful yeah, year. Had, absolutely. It's crazy. And, Ask about like the discrepancy between the two cars. And they're the you you would argue they're the same car, right? I mean, there's different percent hundred percent. There's no just, reason that Stroll Stroll so should not bad. be. He he finished out of the points, and Alonso was third in so points. There's no reason that this should be the case with those two, um, but yet here it is, and you're not seeing it with like Ferraris are they're sticking together. It was um, so the race was Verstappen one, Perez, Alonso on podium, Russell fourth, Sainz fifth, Hamilton sixth, Leclerc seventh. So there's your big three. Everybody's up there. Great, Hamilton. Job. I mean Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm in grid spots right like he didn't even he didn't even get to qualifying three i think no he didn't he was uh he was out qualifying two they russell barely squeaked into qualifying three um so hamilton was upset with his car all day he got into a little bender with somebody at the front where he thought that part of his right wing was damaged it wasn't and then it was kind of the classic hamilton we saw three or four years ago when he would call and be like, I don't know if I can finish this race. I don't know if we're cars gonna be able to finish the race. And it's like, I'm not finishing first. Let's just call it. Yeah. And now everyone was just like, just calm down. Just do what you're doing. Calm down. Do what you're doing. Calm down. Do what you're doing. It's, it was weird to see that going back to Hamilton, but that if we're talking upgrades after this race, all Mercedes had to do was get to the end of this race because next week at Imola, they are having a huge upgrade that they're very excited about. They don't, they're not saying that they're going to automatically mm-hmm. compete for wins, but they're very excited about the upgrade that they're getting this upcoming weekend. Um, so their whole goal was to get through Miami, which they did. It could have been a disaster this weekend. And six. Yeah, Russell and Hamilton really did a great job in muscling that car around. Um, it, I mean, it was a great race from front to back. Like You, you saw Verstappen come on up, but then once the um, DRS train with the middling cars kind of separated a little bit, we were getting passes and and takeovers um throughout the entire race like there was never really a super super boring part um of of this race thankfully no dnfs uh no dnfs none crazy that's pretty impressive yeah Yeah. um Um, you know what i like about this track i know that there's been like people are like "Eh, it's kind of boring i enjoy tight i mean it's not quite monaco in terms of tight some of those straightaways are or just but like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh room for error when it comes to how tight those walls are yeah like we in qualifying especially there was there were some very close calls yeah i mean these guys throw them to the limits every single time and it is a track that a lot of them it was their first time on and 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 this was the second time for everybody else so they're still trying to get around and figure out what this track is and where it is and and when they can get off the racing line and all that type of stuff to find the corners. And they still have to do something about that back half. It's a very slow third sector when it, when you get into that chicane and those turns. Um, I still think they should do something about that. But I mean, this well, whole what weekend, would you do? What would you do, Tyler? Well, they the the drivers and everybody complain about how slow you get into that chicane because you're not racing up at 
like you're not flat out going into the chicane where you go in. It's you're already at a slow speed. So you can only get up maybe another gear until you have to slow back down to go through the chicane. So it right. doesn't really lead to more, I don't want to say exciting. It doesn't read really lead to an exciting chicane. Um, so I think that was what the drivers were really complaining about a lot, if anything, or making fun of really this weekend at this race. But And one other thing about these U.S. races, it is so hard to avoid spoilers when you have <laughs> celebrities there the entire time and influencers just showing out everything that's going on. And you're like, whoa, yeah. whoa, I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to hear about this on this platform. What didn't you want to hear about? Anything wouldn't, I watched. Wouldn't I, F1 fans want to hear about everything they possibly well, not if not if usually you're behind the start time. So I watched qualifying. Oh, I, see, I see, I see. I watched qualifying live, but I I was an hour late to the start of the race Sunday. So I had it recorded and I started an hour later. It was a beautiful weekend, so I was outside. Um and it was just I I would go on my phone on like my walk and be like, Oh crap, oh crap. And yeah. it like I just didn't see it, and or it would show up on someone else's phone, like as they're just scrolling through. But I mean, we all knew it was going to be the Red Bull show, show, and it was definitely the Red Bull show. Red Bull show. Say that too, it was fast. It's hard. It's hard to say Red Bull. I know <laughs> our buddy Elliot has no problem with it, but I, I think everybody else on the podcast has a hard time saying Red Bull. It's and I also don't want to say it as often as I do. <laughs> um, it was a fanfare though. Like we we talked about it early. Um, I think every race should have Will I Am conducting a string orchestra with LL Cool J emceeing the driver entrances. So, or what did you think like, about that? What did you think about those driver entrances? WWE. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was fun, though. I think, like for for the North America fan base, that's how that's how they present it. That's you know, yeah. that's the kind of um, that's what they want. That's that's the show. Yeah, and it wouldn't fly the same kind of way in Europe or anywhere else for that matter <laughs> but that's that's where they are and they, i mean what's fun about f1 is that each race takes on you know the history of its nationality wherever it is all across the world so really buying into that i think they went full hollywood and why why i mean why not you're not right you're not wrong the the fanfare of it in the way that the united states would do entrances like that is very fitting um, for what they bring to the culture of sports. The drivers hated it. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after they just said it was ridiculous and stupid and, well, and maybe it was, but except for a couple of Americans, yeah, American but, and, um, and also Lo Logan Sargent's first race on home soil. And he grew up in the Miami area. So that was good for him. Finishing horrible, <laughs> horrible race for him. Um, but I mean, if you're a fan of like, obviously Red Bull showed what they can do. They're going to win every race this year. It's it's almost yeah. impossible not to predict that. Um, Alonso, you expect him to be where he is every race. The fact that he's getting this many podiums is unbelievable. It, it a lot of the guys at the top didn't really see anybody else for a while. Um, Verstappen and Perez were twenty six or twenty one seconds and twenty six seconds ahead of Alonso, um, and then he was seven seconds ahead of Russell and. Then you get down to the, to the Ferraris, Mercedes, and Alpines, and they were kind of all even till the end. There, Gasly was not—I don't want to say holding off Leclerc and those guys in Hamilton, but he he was able to stay with them until the end of the race, which is saying a lot for Alpine. When, but those three cars should be the, the top cars, and then yeah. Magnussen forming it under the tenth, which a good weekend for Magnussen as well. 
um, he was able to hold off those guys for a lot longer. And um, you've got to be happy with that Haskar if you're if you're Magnuson right now is he had an incredible qualifying time. In, yeah, in Q3 he had one hell of a, a lap. Yeah, and and fourth started in fourth and and finished in tenth. And again, you can't look at that and say, "Wow, we had a horrible race." It's yeah. that car doesn't it shouldn't be up in fourth. So yeah, the fact I'm that he everybody was, above. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that he was able to do that is is wonderful weekend for for him and. He, he was one of the guys that should be happy coming out of Miami for sure. Okay, let's hand out some uh, awards here, shall we? Yeah, let's some... do it. It's uh, driver of the day. Who you got? I, okay, so Max Verstappen clearly would get driver of the day in anybody's uh, minds. I know it's such boring. a sellout. It's all, it's, it is getting boring to say him. So, what I would actually argue is that Yuki Sonoda, oh. even though he finished 11th, was. <laughs> For what he's been able to do this race with that Alpha Tori, um, DeVries was 18th, never in this race, immediately bumped into somebody, uh, Norris, your guy, bumped into him on the first turn, didn't get a penalty. Um, this is the second time in a second weekend in a row, I believe, he's hit someone from behind trying to break too late. Um, Norris even brought attention to that after the race. He said, Hey, listen, this is the second time this guy's done that, maybe he should start breaking earlier. Um, so I, what Sonoda so is able to him, do? You're gonna give him time of the day for that. Well, Sonoda, I'll give it to Sonoda just for being able to keep that Alpha Tori in eleventh, right after, right out of the points. Um, like that. Is is pretty awesome because that Alpha Tori doesn't deserve to be up there. He beat Stroll. The other Every, car, the anybody, other Aston Martin, was in third, come on. and Sonoda was able to put it ahead of Stroll. A snail could beat Stroll. Ah, that car. There's no reason Stroll should be out of the points in that car this year. All right, uh, not so driver of the day. Who are you going with? I, I think it was a perfect segue. I'm going to give it to Lance Stroll. <laughs> you could get, you could honestly have five. You could have five guys in this race. Sergeant, horrible weekend. Um, Piastri, maybe I'd give it. A Devries had a worse weekend than him. Um, I there's again, there's no for what the expectations are with Lance Stroll, there's no reason he should be outside of the points. So I give him not so driver of the day easily. He should be top six every weekend if Alonzo's on the podium. All right, all right. Fucking stroll. I still can't believe he's on the grid, man. <laughs> Daddy. Uh radio call of the race. I mean, again, another perfect segue from me because that is going to Fernando Alonso when he is driving this race, no one in front of him that he can see, no one behind him that he can see. He's watching the big screens and on his radio, he sees Lance Stroll pass somebody in turn one, jumps on his horn, his radio, and says, uh, hey, what what position is uh, Lance in? I just saw him with a great pass and a great overtake in turn one there. And I'm like, what do you mean you just saw him? He's watching the big screen as he's oh driving God. and called it out to his team being like, Hey, which position is strolling? That's wow. unbelievable. I was, I was, and then they tried to figure out which turn he was on, what screen, I think it was turn they 11 to tell him. where they saw him. And, and like that incredible that Alonzo was able to watch a big screen race an F1 car and notice that his teammate is overtaking Man. somebody. Man. Can you imagine? He's like, what's the score in the Leafs game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, low blow there. Uh, <clears throat> overtake of the day. Overtake of the day. Again, you're going to boo me, but Max Verstappen, boo. when he's trying to go back through that field, it took him 15 laps to get back up it's to impressive. second. On lap four, 
he was watching, I think, Magnuson and Leclerc battle it out. And he lets those two go side by side, pulls up behind him, goes to the right, overtakes both of them in one shot. Um, easily the overtake of the day. Um, the rest of it was kind of just easy potatoes for Max Verstappen on Sunday afternoon. Easy, easy potatoes. And I, I got another, I got another word here. Who's your fan? Your, your celebrity at the race that you were, you would like to give the award for, for being there at this star setted event. There was a lot. I mean, of we saw, we saw Michael Jordan. We saw Tom Brady. We saw Serena. You know what we'll bring up now is a good time with, with that question is the Brad Pitt news. I okay. think people want to hear about this. I don't know if you heard about it, but they I don't doing... know anything about this other than he raced a car. He is was so he they, out there? They are going they announced this weekend, and I believe Brad Pitt was there. Tom Cruise was there as well, but Brad Pitt is going to race on the tracks in an F1 type car. So the news was released that they were and it For came what? out kind of in a weird way where they said there's going to be an 11th team added for Brad Pitt's car. He's going to be driving around the track for the rest of the year, starting at Silverstone. Uh, he will be the quote-unquote 11th team, was how it was released, and people ran with it. They said, wait, how does he get to well, – what if he causes a crash? Um, how is he able to get his super license? Um, all these okay. things okay. about so why they're filming a movie. Running. Yeah, they're filming a movie. So what is actually happening is they have – with the help of Lewis Hamilton, they have created – basically an F2 type car that is going to be live on the track. It's got 6K cameras in it that will move around. Very cinematic. Brad Pitt will drive in the car, but it won't be with other cars on the track. So he'll do okay. it at the weekend when all the fans are there so they can get some real-life shots of actual fans driving with, with Brad Pitt in the car, but it won't be with other drivers other F1 drivers on the track. They might put some other people out there in the same type of car just to make it look like there's people in front of him or behind so hold him. On, hold on, hold on. Let me get yeah. this straight. Let me get this straight. Brad Pitt is doing a movie as an F1 driver, and we're supposed to believe that this 50-some-year-old man, is he is he playing Fernando Alonso? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> that's, well, that's a better question than everyone asking if he's actually going to be on the track. It, You're not wrong. I mean, maybe we don't know the plot of the movie, so maybe it's a guy coming out of retirement, Alonzo esque, to try to race some young kid Verstappen esque. Um, who knows? It could be maybe because Lewis Hamilton, I think, is a part of a, a producer of it, so maybe the storyline's kind of Lewis Hamilton centric. But um, yeah, he should not play Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I, that was the one reason I was like, "There's no way it's going to be a Lewis Hamilton one," is because yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be crazy. Unless Brad but, Pitt's also a producer and playing some other guy. That could be also the thing. But he won't be on the, the whole thing. Everyone needs to know is that he won't be on the track. People thought that there was people out there that actually thought he would be racing with everyone else around the grid. And you know what, Tyler? He probably could still beat Lance Stroll. Okay, <laughs> let's leave it there. <laughs> Creativity has the power to take our breath away, to move us to action or reaction to invite us to feel more fully alive. And when the creativity is coming out of the kitchen of a local restaurant, the experience has the power to do all of the above and put a smile on your face. Q Burger in Qualicum Beach on Vancouver Island is home to culinary creativity led by owners Aaron and Kevin. 
Together, they have managed to make a local burger joint a must-stop on any trip up the central coast of the island. In fact, readers of Canadian Living Magazine recently voted it one of the top five burger restaurants in Canada. And if you're saying, yeah, but a burger joint's a burger joint, then let me ask you, what other burger joint allows you to choose between a Boomageddon, all caps, with double the beef, double the bacon, and double the cheese, and Wicked Sticky, where the roasted chicken breast is topped with balsamic reduction, roasted garlic, and fried brie, or the new Sonic Pickle Boomerito, yep, with an exclamation point. And if meat is not your treat, Consider a Brock of Ages, the Thai Tuna Tornado Wrap, or Halibut and Chips caught fresh from the ocean 10 minutes down the street that morning. The fish, not the chips. Put it on your bucket list. Q-Burger, locally owned and operated in Qualicum Beach, BC. It's time for mail. Okay, our question today comes from Colin Tyler. Do the cars have AC? Obviously not, but how do they get? And how do they stay so cool driving these cars? That's a very good question. And the answer for some people might be shocking but it is very, very interesting. So the reason there is no AC or some type of AC system is because of the weight added to the car. The minute you start adding weight and compressors and, and all that type of stuff to cool down a driver, you slow down the car. You affect the car's aerodynamics, all those things. So what the drivers do to stay cool and how they're able to stay cool starts off of the track. It's actually very interesting. So- Ice. During no the opposite, long term the opposite. So these guys light them on fire. Like when they're in their off season, they go to training in extremely hot countries, extremely hot places, high temperatures, and then the teams will take the drivers, put them in this hot climate, and test them. um, Make have them make different decisions, do different practices, um, different movements, uh, and they'll do it all in this high heat like sauna-like rooms uh, and places, uh, try to get their heart rates up fast, make them have same decisions, monitor all their body temperatures. It starts with that in the off-season. And then it goes to when they're traveling to different places, their teams are trying to get them in the hotel saunas as much as possible to get their bodies regulated for the temperatures that they're going to face on race day. Um, some of those temperatures, like the average temperature in a cockpit, probably for the the driver in that in the small little box they sit in, hovers around fifty degrees Celsius, one hundred and ten degrees Fahrenheit, and that's kind of like in a cooler condition. But it's the average temperature if you're going to go through all the races. Now that's incredibly hot. Our bodies run at about thirty seven degrees Celsius. I think it's like thirty six point eight or something like that is normal. Their bodies average forty degrees Celsius. That's that is a fever. So they are able. They have to make these decisions at a forty degrees temperature, three degrees higher than anybody else in the world. So all that practice they do in saunas, all that stuff they do, is to to make sure that they can make the decisions, keep that blood flow into their brain, and keep them sharp at these high temperatures. The brake temperatures are like five hundred degrees Fahrenheit. The engines behind them even hotter. So yeah. it's like everything. It screams heat in those things. 
And then when they get to race day, right before the races, they're sitting in cold tanks. They'll, you'll always see them in shade. Um, you'll always see them with a with a with an ice vest that they call it. Basically, they're walking around with a nice vest with pockets of ice. Um, and the a lot of the times, though, just the old traditional method, soaking cold, wet towels hung around their necks. You'll see it in a lot of interviews now Crazy. that you actually are looking for it. And then, obviously, they always have water bottles. And I know I'm kind of running on with this a little bit, but I got into it. So you think that <laughs> no AC, but they got water bottles. If you're gonna sweat out so much stuff in an hour and a half, mm -hmm. you better be drinking a lot of water before the race. Not so much. They're drinking a lot of water four days through the race. So they're being constantly monitored by their teams to drink water, 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 so that they are always over hy hy hydrated. Hydrated, thank you. Always over hydrated. <laughs> because like, if you just start what? chugging water. Yeah. And then had to sit in a, in a bouncy car for an hour and a half. You're gonna need to pee Ooh. the entire time. Yeah. So, so and they're heavy. Yeah, you gotta be they're, lighter. They're constantly over over hydrating all week. And then this is the craziest part: to measure their internal like temperature during the race, they swallow little like wireless um, communication devices that what? have a receiver in the car to monitor their internal temperatures so their teams are always knowing at what degree their body is running. Shut the fuck up. Now you no Colin. I swear to God, I'm swear to God I read I know this. you asked a simple question. I this went is, deep into this it. This is not this isn't true Tyler. This it is. And so they do have the listeners. They do have water. Little, what? Their, they do have water in their cars as well, but the speed that that water goes from nice and cool to the same temperature is so quick that a lot of drivers i don't think gasly has water in the car and someone else just opt to not drink water because of how gross and disgusting it is when they drink it and this is the one thing that helps them to get cold if they overheat you want to know how crazy this is they just open up their visor and allow some <laughs> cool air to hit their face i shit you not that is exactly what happens okay let's I, recap this i didn't believe it i had to go i had to go even further into my googling they like train two hours in very hot temperature yes they wear ice bucket towels and 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 they swallow devices and they drink water four days in advance. Yeah, I'm telling you, everything is meant to survive these. Instead of having the car adapt to them, Jesus. they adapt to the car. It's wow. pretty crazy what these guys go through. Well, Colin, I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much. And for anyone else who would like an absolutely over in-depth answer on anything <laughs> f1 um please submit your question to uh the ordinary podcasting.com email i don't know what it is but i'm sure if you go to ordinarypodcast.com, you can find out where to send your mail box 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 questions okay we have a race uh this is coming weekend amelia grand prix what's this it's one the called? yeah emola uh grant the italian grand prix in uh amola at amola uh, all right, Tyler. What do we what do we gotta know? I mean, I'm still I, I'm still vibing on the fact that they have to eat fucking devices <laughs> just to get. Let's swallow. What, well, do, we, what gonna, do we gotta know about this race? I'm gonna go into super depth with this one too. I've had a heck of a day just having fun with this stuff. Fantastic. Um, this race is home of AlphaTauri first Grand Prix in 1980. 4.9 kilometers, 63 laps. Um, one DRS zone. Lewis Hamilton has the fastest lap here at uh, one a minute. 15.484 uh, set in 2020. The drivers wow. love this track. Very fast entrance, uh, entrances to the corners. It is an anti-clockwise circuit. Those aren't far 
and those are far and few in between. I think that's the sense. something like that. There's not few, a lot of them. far and few between. Yeah, few um, far and few between. So wow. like a lap around this track on the start, uh, the first turn is basically non-existent with that winding. It's a winding straight. You're going. You're getting to full throttle. Just yeah. getting up to that eighth gear before breaking down to about third for that left-handed turn two with a quick right followed. Uh, you're back on the gas through turn four into a full-out straight up to a left-handed turn followed by a quick right uh, turn six. You're probably in about the fourth gear range, the middle the middle of the pack in your gearbox, hoping to get back to sixth gear before the next left-handed turn, which is a little bit slower. Once again, foot hits the floor. Um, you could probably get... Oh, sorry. You, yeah, probably get up to max speed through turn eight and nine. Uh, gear down just a little bit again through ten. Uh, mid right, mid gear right hand to turn on eleven, um, and into a slower right turn on twelve. Again, you're full out in thirteen, and you're getting into this fourteen and fifteen chicane. And the importance of what we talked about earlier is this is a full speed. You're you're trying to get up to your eighth gear. And then you're getting into this 14 and 15 chicane where you're going down to gear one, gear two, depending on where you are on your race. Um, and then you go into our detection zone, uh, which is around turn 16, which is still flat out. Oh, then you're, yeah, you're going into 16, flat out, two 90-degree turns. 18 is the turn where you'll see a lot of passes and a lot of overtakes. And then your turn 19 is where the DRS zone starts, right through that winding uh, straight finish line that you have. Last week, it, last year was a sprint race at this one at the qualifying uh, uh yeah sprint qualifying race should we expect the same here no um this is just be a regular weekend format uh last year it was a a wet race a wet start about 20 laps in that's when the slicks hit um verstappen won this one easily by 14 seconds it was a verstappen perez and then your guy lando norris on the podium hey. uh driver of the day was vettel two dnfs signs and alonzo um, and then the important thing for this race coming up this weekend is that it is going to be a mix of sunshine and rain again. So we might see some blue and, blue and green tires this weekend. Again, it's only Monday night, Tuesday morning. So all that stuff can change. Um, but yeah, that's what we're looking for. You said uh, we got Mercedes with some exciting new things coming for this race. Any other teams that we should be expecting some upgrades or changes? The To be honest, the only one I read into was Mercedes because this was... Uh, for about four a weeks now, one. this is the talk of their season was the upgrades coming to the car at Amola. So if you're if you're a fantasy player, maybe this is a time to take a, a Russell, a flyer on Russell or Hamilton, see how they do. Maybe look at some of those uh, practices first. Right on. Anything final that we got to know about this race coming up? Um, enjoy it. Enjoy I think it's another it. early morning race on the uh, West Coast here. Yeah, what's it? Uh, yeah, it is quite early. Uh, practice one and two on a goes Friday. Practice three with qualifying Saturday and the race on Sunday, the May 21st. Um, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I thank won't you. be back next week unless Jordan decides that he wants to stick around in Disneyland for longer. Uh, until then, <laughs> thanks everybody for uh, tuning in, listening, and uh, you can find out more F1 at the Pit Stop podcast. Um, instagram page and other socials that you guys have uh other than that check us out on ordinarypodcast.com and we'll catch you next week
Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.